0: I'm a weirdo. I started talking about it seven years ago, talking to groups and stuff. And everyone always comes up, yours is the strangest thing I've ever heard. Please share with us your life-changing near-death experience. So yeah, my name is Bill Letson, and I'm retired now, but in the 90s, I was working as a firefighter. I was an engineer. I drove the fire engine for Santa Barbara County. I was at station 11 and in 94, we had a pretty bad flu season and we were running calls. You know, we didn't protect ourselves like, you know, with a standard thing now worldwide, but we just did our thing and we had this woman who was very ill. We got called to her by the neighbors. They hadn't seen her in a few days. Newspapers were stacking up on the front and the car was there and the mailbox was starting to fill up when we pulled up they said she's in there and she's sick so we broke in and they were right and we found her in the back bedroom and she was really close to passing away and we sprung into action just started pushing furniture out of the way and getting the windows open and my job was to get oxygen on her so i slid across the bed and i was getting the mask on her she kind of came to and she saw all these firemen around her and she let out this big exhalation of relief, so that she was so happy that we were there. And she exhaled and I took in, I was breathing in doing my job. And I took a full, both lungs full, I could feel her hot breath go in. And I looked at the medics, they saw it too. And they, and I looked at the medics, I said, this ain't gonna go well. And it didn't, I got sick, but we got her in the ambulance into the hospital and she came home a week later and fully recovered. And it was, you know, a save. But a couple of days into it, I started getting sick actually immediately that night. And then a couple of days later, I was really sick because I'd been throwing up and I was going the other way and I just couldn't keep any fluids in me. And it was like, I was this shrinking man. I was all hunched over and my skin was dark and it happened really fast. And I noticed my heartbeat was like 150. I tried to take my pulse at my wrist, and I couldn't get a pulse. So I knew that was down below 80. So I knew I was in trouble, and I headed for the phone. I called my family, and when I spoke, it was just a whisper. It was just that much of a devastating flu virus. And they figured it out. They called 911, and the guys from Santa Barbara County Fire came, picked me up, started IVs, got me in an ambulance, got me to a hospital, and... The emergency room was packed, people that were sick all over, all ages. And they put me in a room and I was in the back, you know, they'd given me a couple of IVs and I was starting to feel a little better. And my thought was I could probably get out of here. Kind of topped off the cylinder a little bit there. And they said, no, you can't go. The doctor hasn't even seen you yet. And we're overwhelmed with patients and just hang in there and hear something we're giving everybody. And they injected this thing with, you know, it was something for pain, something for nausea. The nurse was in a hurry, she's a good lady, and she pushed it in all the way, and I just keeled over. I don't think she realized how fragile my blood pressure and stuff was. I looked like this young, strong guy, but physiologically, I came in there on my knees. You know, that shot it just knocked me out. And I fell straight back on the bed. My wife was there, some of the fire guys were there, and. My eyes just rolled back and I fell straight back and I was out cold and it was about three thirty in the afternoon and I was gone from then on in, you know, that kind of startled everybody and doctor, everybody came running in. And my wife said, they just went to work on you. They were kind of frantic and they pushed Narcan, which is something that would take away the painkiller and the blood pressure that she wrote down was 40 over zero you know, you're not going to be surviving much longer with that kind of blood pressure. You know, you you get down, you know, 70 over 40 or 50 or something like that, you're not going to be conscious very long. So anyway, they had a head down, they pushed the IVs, they kept the Narcan and they shipped me up to intensive care because they could not get me back and the blood pressure was not coming back. And so I sat up there in intensive care overnight and sometime during that night, I left my body. And I wasn't Bill anymore. I wasn't anything close to a human being. I was something we all are. I had gone back to this being and I was flying through this star filled realm. It was an amazing feeling. It's like I had been let out of a hot, dark, stuffy closet. I was this huge, expanded cloud this huge expanded balloon it seemed like i went on forever and i was flying along and it felt like somebody was pouring honey all over my brain that euphoria of of that feeling was going through all my nerves and it was like a and i've said this i've not been ashamed i've said it every single time but it felt exactly like a cosmic orgasm and It was a complete ecstasy and it had a sensual side to it. And so I was flying along and I was, first thing I thought was, man, what the heck was that? That was gnarly, being this person, being Bill. And nothing has been difficult about my life. I wanted everything, you know, parents and education and home life. And my wife is the princess and career. Everything was perfect even then. So anyway, I'm flying along thinking, how in the world did I believe I was this dude? How is it possible that I thought I was this guy? It was like this cosmic trick that we sign up for. And we forget everything that we really are. And we come into these lives and we do the best we can with the challenges that are coming our way. And I understood all of that. You know, I wasn't Bill. I wasn't a human being. I was something I've always been. We hear this thing about the Akashic Records and what I saw coming at me, it was like if you were flipping the pages of a microfiche, you know, the old thing. And it was like a a math book because most of it was math. And it was just formulas and geometry and diagrams and anything you wanted to think about. You had instant knowledge of all that like this universal mind with all this information. It's all there when we cross over. So yeah, I just saw these pages coming by. You couldn't absorb it. I just knew that anything I thought, and I tested it. I thought, well, what about you know this thing with physics? And here comes the pages. So I'm flying along and I'm thinking, this is awesome. I am so stoked to be back. And around me were all these orbs, these giant balls of color and flow and, they're just showering me with this welcoming. I was being paraded through and they were just so proud of me. And I was really happy to be home. And I was flying through that, I said, this is just perfect. And then I landed. Everything shifted and I was in this place. It was like a facility or a clinic. Seemed like it was a like a medical thing. And there were beds there, gurneys there was equipment on the walls and tables and right in front of me there were these three little hooded guys and they had dark robes and they were about four foot tall and they were overjoyed to see me they were giggling and bouncing around and they were saying things like how was it what did you learn what can you tell us and they were giggling and bumping into each other and it was astonishing I wasn't fearful at all. That whole fear thing was gone. I was just sort of like, well, what's going on here? And one of them picked up on it. He came forward and he took a long look at me up and down. And he turned to the other two and he said, he doesn't remember us. And they all started giggling uproariously and bouncing around. And I was like, sorry, you guys, I can't remember you. I kind of think I remember you, but give me a little time this is very strange i'm in these different places all of a sudden that movie communion there's a scene in there where christopher walken he's in this facility it's like a a medical place and these little squatty little guys you know they're bouncing around and they're joyful and playful and they're high-fiving him and they're dancing around and that is exactly what i experienced the appearance of them was exactly what i saw Some people think these little guys are demons or something. They weren't. We're getting the wrong story down here. We're getting the fear story. They were incredibly joyful and playful and loving. And then there was this other guy and he was in the background. And he was this tall, wispy guy. And he was letting everything play out. And and then he came forward. He looked like he was underwater. In fact, if you took a jar of water, and stirred it really fast. And looked at it from the side. He was like this spinning vortex. And when he walked, he moved like a, like a whirlpool or a whirlwind. He had this big smile and bright eyes, and just this incredible vibe. And when he walked, you know, part of him would separate and then the rest would catch up. And you just knew he was the coolest guy, even though it was this bizarre looking person or being. And as he came forward, his, you know, that swirling motion that was connecting with me. And as he got closer and closer, my chest just expanded and my throat just clamped down. And I was being overwhelmed with love. There was so much love coming from this spinning whirlpool being. And I've used all kinds of terms. I've called him a trimmed up Gumby and a walking stick insect. But he was this loving, spinning energy, and it was really obvious he was stoked to see me drop in. You know, I got the impression that it was sort of a relationship between a father, you know, the perfect original and a child. That I was whatever, a temporary copy of him or something that was in the earth plane to have adventures. So anyway, he was chuckling all the time. We had this back and forth and every time I said something, he just got a big chuckle out of it. And when he laughed, I could feel his laughter inside of me. It was that penetrating, I guess. So I'm looking around and the little guys are just giggling and, you know, slapping each other on the back. And he's kind of chuckling at them. And then every time I had something to say, he would laugh or chuckle at that. You know, I got the impression it wasn't, this isn't very organized, whatever's going on here. So I said, well, you guys, are we supposed to like review my life or something like that? Do you guys want to get started with that? And everybody laughed at that. But he was cool. And he said, sure, sure, let's do that. How do you want to start? And so I thought it was a little strange that I was, you know, sort of controlling things. But I said, okay. And so I started talking about things in my life. It was not a review of life like in the ears talk about where they see how they've affected others and feel how they've affected others. It was none of that. It was just me telling some rap, you know, I wanted to move on from that facility. I got a taste of what we really are, that we are this infinite limitless being. And I thought, well, I can get back to where that place was that I was initially. So I told a few stories just to kind of fill in I told a story about my wife and how when we came out of college, we got offered this job on an island and she wanted me to take it. It was with the Park Service. And we'd be there by ourselves, a little cottage on this island. And we're supposed to look after the wildlife. Groups would come out occasionally, but not too often. And, you know, I was a fireman. I was enjoying the camaraderie of a fire crew and all the shenanigans that went with that. The excitement of going to fires and, you know, my thing was, sweetie, it sounds kind of boring we're just going to be on an island. And she really wanted it. And I I took a fire job. So anyway, yeah, I talked about that. And I thought maybe for her, something she wanted, because she never really wants anything. And I thought that would be nice. And there was a couple of other things that I thought I should have done. It was nothing horrible or tragic, because I've been pretty good guy my whole life. And I did notice that nobody was listening. They were still giggling and bouncing around. And then... He interrupted me and he just goes, okay, that's enough time to go back. And I was like, shocked. I was like, what being away from the body and feeling that bliss and that release of all those emotional traumas and dramas to go back underneath that to me, that was like, there's no way I'm going to do that. So I, I was shocked and I said, I go back. I'm, I'm not going back there. There's no way I'm going back there. He goes, yeah, you got to go back. You know, he was cool. And he was like, you got things to do and they're important. I told him, I said, look, I'm almost 40. I got nothing more to do in life. You know, I'm just this burned out old guy practically. And he thought that was funny. And then I told him, you know, I got lots of friends and they'll think of me, but they'll be fine. And my parents and my wife, they're going to get rocked by my demise, but they'll be okay. (laughs) And I said, they'll, they'll get over it. They're strong people. And he thought that was really funny. He goes, all right, enough. You got to go back. Come on. So as he came forward, the room just started to break up and I could feel it dropping, definitely dropping in frequency of slowing down. I was going to another channel, another vibe, a low vibe. And the room started to spin and he started to get whisper and whisper. And then everything just sort of spun away and I dropped in away into darkness. Again, I moved to another channel and I was down by my body. I could sense my body was nearby. And before I got back in my body, there was this realization that this is a very dark and dismal and lonely place. And as I was going back in my body, I got a feel of that. It's a rough place. Then I was back in my body, back in the physical, and I woke up and it was 4.35, something like that. They were squeezing my arm and stuff and kept waking me up and I could see the lights of the machines. And the vital signs were low, but they were climbing. And I watched them for the next couple of hours. I just woke up and I'd be back out and then they got, to where they were, you know, something sustainable and I could stay awake. And I was sort of sitting up looking around and the nurse walked by and it shocked her. She was like, you're awake. And I'm like, yes, I am. And she goes, man, you have been project for the night. We didn't know how you got so far gone. Didn't know if you were coming back and we didn't know what had happened. And I said, yeah, OK, that's cool. And she goes, I got to tell a doctor and I go, OK, you can tell a doctor, but first what am I doing back here? I was pissed. And that's the only way I could put it. I was cut off from that euphoric freedom that we come from. And all the heaviness came back. It's like energetically, somebody unloaded a ton of rocks onto you and you just got to deal with it. I told her, I said, what am I doing back here? I was home. I was with my best bros. How did I get back here? I had died. I had bought the farm. I was convinced of it without a beat. She goes, honey, you've been in escrow. But you fell out of escrow, and now you're back with us. You know, she had her hands on my shoulders, and she was like, you need to get your head around that. And I got it right away. I got it. Okay, I'm back with Bill, and that's who I am. The doctors came, my family came, and I was just like, I couldn't tell them enough. Everything is so cool. There's no Death Star, there's no evil aliens or anything like that. We just go back to where we came from, and everybody's a sweetheart. And I sounded like a kook. I was home for about a week on the couch, and I had some interesting things go on during that week. But when I got back to work, the guys were immediately, they're like, hey man, we heard through the grapevine, you had something really wild go on while you were out. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. And I, I'd tell everybody. And, you know, the religious guys came out of the woodwork. They wanted to hear the story. But they really didn't like the story because there weren't any robes and bearded guys and stuff. But there really was. It's just, you know, not how we tell the story down here. And then after a while, somebody came by and said, Hey, you know, the guys up in the office are starting to talk about you, you know, you're a fireman, and we can't have lunatics on the fire department. So I was like, right away, I was like, Yeah, okay, yeah, I get it. I get." It. So I dummied up, and I zipped it for about 15 years. I knew it was real. And I knew I would return to that when my time was up here. So here we are, 94. So it's almost 30 years ago. And When I tell you that story, it's absolutely crystal clear in my mind's eye. Crystal clear. And all of us are these divine beings having a worldly experience. We never die. And we are these eternal beings that always go back. Then we get to go home. And there's no place like home.